Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby podcast. I am your host, Teresa Reese, and what I'm going to do is read a poem from my book of poetry entitled A Strong-Willed Mind, Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. And today's poem is entitled Healing While Hurting. And if you are someone who is easily triggered, this may not be the episode for you. But if you are someone who is willing to heal while you hurt, you may want to stick around. Here we go. Just the other day, I was hurting. Hurting from my past because there were things that I lacked and it left me feeling deserted. No one bothered to console me as the burdens overlooked. I mean, I am so sorry, y'all. I'm halfway asleep. (laughs) Let me try this again. Just the other day, I was hurting, hurting from my past because there were things that I lacked. And it left me feeling deserted. No one bothered to console me as the burdens overloaded within me. And my heart broke into pieces. But I had no clues on how to mend it. Those who I called family, I couldn't even depend on them. So the pain began to slowly grow. This reflection, I didn't know. When I looked into the mirror, as I saw, all I saw was fear. I became a stranger to myself and tried many times to ask for help. But my cries for help went ignored. No understanding of what I was crying for. To many, I always appeared to be strong. But the pain still lingered on. They thought that I was hiding the truth when I confessed that I was hurting because of you. You wouldn't listen when I spoke. My hopes and dreams you often choked. The voice I found, you stifled it. You silenced it causing me to doubt myself often. I began to lack self-confidence and insecurity slowly crept in, getting negative attention from men. When I needed what I when what I needed was reassurance from you, I had no way of knowing at the time. Maybe this is how I got blindsided, but you were also hurting. If you would just confess, you saw my joy and you envied my happiness. This is what I saw over time, but your abuse almost cost me my life. Now I understand that you couldn't give me what you refused to possess, which was the ultimate forgiveness. It's hard to believe that you almost robbed me of my true happiness. Yes, the memories are still very painful, but you didn't get the last word. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. 
Those thoughts at times bring back a bitter sting, but I'm so glad that I am finally healing. So I hope that this poem encourages someone. But my question for you today is what does healing while hurting look like? For those of you that know me, I am for the most part a very, very transparent person. And it may be to a fault because what I have, I've known this for a while. Everyone cannot handle your truth. But God has given me permission to use my voice unapologetically. So I am about to be extremely, extremely transparent in hopes that I can help somebody to heal. So this is a particular episode that I have got to protect certain people because these people have a lot to do with my past. But there are some incidents that I want to share with you when I was hurting while healing. And there was a particular conversation, which is where this poem stems from. And I have to hide the identity, first of all, because I was told by the publisher to do so. (laughs) Um, But anyway, this particular individual that literally inspired the poem, so to speak, for the lack of a better word, was very, very verbally and physically abusive to me. And so a lot of people are not aware of my history history. But this person was so abusive that they at one point tried to put a hot iron to my face. And I was a teenager. Another time this individual tried to use scissors to cut my face and I was just a teenager. There, by the grace of God, was another individual who locked us in a bathroom to protect me from being injured. However, I still remember what took place. And part of the reason why it was so painful is because it came from someone that I should have trusted. And so what I've learned over the course of a lot of years is that hurting people hurt people. And a lot of times the reason why they may, I'm not saying that this is each and every incident that occurs, but a lot of times while they may Um, start down this path is because they're still hurting. There's a lot of things that I could truly discuss or talk about on this episode that might literally leave a lot of people with their mouth just falling wide open because of all that I've been through. But that particular incident was where I was the victim. 
there was another incident where someone else was the victim. And it's because I was hurting. And so I was actually with child at this time. And while I was with child, um, the person that I was seeing at the time, we actually lived together. And I was carrying this individual's child. So I was in my third trimester. And for those of you that have ever expected a child, whenever you're pregnant, it could go one or two ways. You could either desire to be around the father of your child every waking moment, or you could not. It just depends on how your pregnancy is, how your pregnancy is actually going. So I was in the state of mind that I could deliver at any moment. Therefore, it was imperative for this individual to be in my presence just in case something happened. But when I went to go see about him, he was at a friend's house and the person's house that he was at, there happened to be a female there. And the female that was there, um, her car was parked behind his car, my, um, the father of my child. And so um, I'm already feeling some type of way because of the hour that I discovered this. And so when I knocked on the door, of course, the person that lived at the home answered the door. And I was trying to find out where was the man I was looking for. And so as I eventually was loud enough to get him to come out, we had an argument right outside of this other person's home. And we probably would have been okay had, when I made the statement, here it is, I am nine months pregnant with your child, and you are doing only Lord knows what while I'm in this condition. And all I heard were the words, so I don't care. And that was a trigger for me. Before I knew it, my hands were all over the place. And I was doing things that no one would be proud of. Nowadays, well, back then they called it vandalism then too, but I vandalized some things. And looking back, it's because I was hurting. The words that came out of that individual's house, I mean, I'm sorry, the words that came out of the individual's mouth while I was carrying his seed cut my heart like a knife. But instead of me being willing or even in the mindset to convey to him that that's not what you tell a woman who is in her third trimester carrying your seed. That is not what you say to someone who is already high in emotions. So I thought about it for a minute today, this morning. I woke up. That's why I'm halfway asleep, y'all. And I was like, I need to tell my truth. 
And I need to share my truth in terms of my abusive past, because there are a lot of women right now who are on either side. They are either on the side where they are the ones who are abusing their spouse or they are on the side where they are either receiving abuse. Either way it goes, hurting people hurt people. So if you are, I must speak to you first, those of you that are being the abuser. have it, Oh, and this men and women, let me just make that clear because it can go either way, okay? But if you are the individual who is casting the stones, that's how we're going to look at it today. If you're the person that's casting the stones toward the individual that you say that you love, why? Have you sat down to ask yourself, why am I hurting? Why am I hurting? And not only is it why am I hurting, why am I hurting the individual that I say that I love? And the reason why that is imperative is because a lot of time we have not only stinking thinking, but we also have unmet, not just desires, we have unmet issues. So things that we have never addressed. Maybe that's a better way to put it. We have unaddressed issues. There you go. I'm correcting myself again. So we have unaddressed issues, things that have been lying dormant within us, triggers that have transpired over the course of years that we have never gone into counseling about, that we have never sought therapy for, that we have never confessed to anyone, and it is stewing within us like nobody's business. So when it finally hits the top, all hell breaks loose. And whoever is in the way becomes collateral damage. Now, this is something that took me a long time for me to evaluate the words that came out of my mouth in previous relationships it took a long time. My son calls it shadow work. So we're going to call it shadow work today. And that's simply when you take the moment to listen to all of your thoughts and you write it on paper and you don't judge yourself and you sit with your truth. You process your truth. And yes, you may shed a whole lot of tears like I did when I wrote the poem and shared it with you all now today. But when I wrote that poem, it was many, many years ago. And I was telling someone yesterday, I said, when I was going through writing a strong will mind, healing scars over time through my poetry, I had to go through and comb through multiple poems, <clears throat> excuse me, that I had written throughout the course of my lifetime in that season at that time. And there were many, many, many tears that I shed while I was writing those words and rewriting those words and editing those words and reading those words. I had to sit with what I've been through. I had to process that these, this is my truth. Now, of course, I did not put the identity of individuals in the equation. 
But I'm like, this is my truth. And that could be very, very, very painful to relive all over again. And not once, not twice, but multiple times. Because what a lot of people don't know is I'm asked to go and perform my poetry. I'm asked to go and share (laughs) my testimony. And so you have to be in a different middle space, headspace to be able to relive some of those things without turning into a ball of tears because it happened to me for real, for real. And so when I woke up this morning and how I know that God wants me to to share and to deal with some of this is that I did not find the point until uh, about 30 seconds before I went live. A lot of y'all don't know this, though. I don't tend to prep for my episodes. And so let me share the reason why. The reason why I do not prep for my episodes like a lot of people do. They got paperwork. They got everything. They're ready, y'all. But a lot of times the reason, well, I just, I mean, I just don't do it. I don't do it for, one of the reasons is because I wanted to remain authentic. The other reason is because I wanted to speak from my heart. Um, I feel like there's not enough people that do that. I feel like there's so much that is rehearsed and so much that is performed that you don't get the essence of the true authenticity of an individual. And that is something that I wanted to bring to the table on my episode. Um, Not only that, I don't know if my future hubby listens to my podcast. And what I did not want is for him to have a question mark of, is this really who she is? So because I know that potentially my future hubby listens to my podcast, I want it always to remain raw and that is real and wise. That's the acronym for real and wise. And so that's the reason why a lot of times you'll hear my cat in the background meowing or you'll hear my my child in the background playing a video game or you'll hear door squeaking or whatever and all of that is for you to get the essence of what I'm what I'm in the atmosphere that I'm truly in in that moment so that you'll know beyond a shadow of a doubt that she is operating in her true authentic self and so I just realized that the majority of this podcast today is probably going to be muffled because my hand was covering the mic So I apologize to y'all for that. But again, I'm just now waking up. Okay, so I digress. Let me get back to what we were talking about. Excuse me, I want to make light of it for just a moment because this is a very heavy subject and everybody cannot handle your truth. So when it comes to hurting people, hurting people, what do you do if you're an individual that is now the victim? One of the things that I can say without even second guessing myself is that if you believe that your life is in danger, get out. But do it in such a way that you will have a life to preserve once you're out. Because a lot of times what happens is that when you are in that scenario, you let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. And that is the reason why. It may cause someone's demise and we don't want that. So try to surround yourself with someone or people who can support you if you are in a situation where you are indeed the victim. 
But I wanted to talk to you as well because it could go two ways. You could be a person to help the individual heal if they're not extremely volatile and abusing you physically. If they're using words, but they're not using their hands or they're not pulling out knives and guns and threatening your life, then you can, if you opt to, you can use this as an opportunity to heal. So I'm going to give you an example. It has nothing to do with with being in a so-called relationship per se, but it is an example So when I was going through the process of surviving and healing from my first two brain surgeries, there were people put in place before I ever got out of the hospital. It was like a schedule. And the schedule that they were on was to ensure that at every turn of events, post my brain surgery, that there was someone that would be giving me my medication on time, that would make sure that I would eat, that would make sure that I would drink, that would make sure that they monitored me in case I had a seizure or anything of that nature. So we went through this for about 30 plus days. And one of the things that was very vital in that season of my healing was who I surrounded myself with. So let's talk about these relationships, y'all. Let's get into it, okay? When you are going through in your relationship, be mindful of who you are surrounding yourself with because that is a part of your healing process while you're hurting. I'm not saying that every time you have a fallout with your significant other, your potential purpose partner, that you've got to share it with everyone. No, that's not what I'm saying. Please don't misinterpret what I've stated. However, what I am saying is that you should have between one to maybe five individuals who you have found out and who you truly believe will not gossip about you, will not use this as an opportunity to take a swing at you, will not use this as an opportunity to judge you, but who will truly help you, help you to sort it out, guide you in the right direction, pray for you without ceasing, listen without ceasing, offer sound, godly advice, and be a pillar for you while you are trying to figure your relationship out. I watched a show the other day. I think it's, oh Lord, I hate when I don't really know, Um, but I believe it's called Black Love. And they were doing a summit. And I'm always late, y'all, because I got so much going on. I'm always late listening and watching stuff. But this caught my attention. And Erica Campbell happened to be on there. Shout out to Erica Campbell. Hey, girl. Hey. Um, I actually met her in person one day in Dallas. And she signed and autographed her help um, 
CD for me and we took a photo. I still have that photo to this day. Um, this is just a side note. And I remember telling her that I was in the process of working on my very first book of poetry written in autobiography or in biography form, however that goes, y'all, I'm, I'm still sleepy. So just charge it to my head and I'm hard. Written in autobiography form. And so, or biography form, still don't know. But anyway, so um, I ended up telling her and she was like, that's wonderful. You know, I'm paraphrasing because it's been way too many years. But what she was telling me was, you know, she pretty much blessed the journey, so to speak. And now to think that I am on an actual podcast that God laid on my heart that I was, it was time to go ahead and execute. And I am reading from those pages that I wrote. Wow, God is so amazing if you allow him to be that in your life. That's another side note. So as she's talking on this stage at the summit, the Black Love Summit, as she's talking on the stage, she talks about the different levels of pillars that she has in her life. And I listened and I was like, Lord, do I have that? Because my desire one day is to remarry and to be married to my purpose partner. So if that's my desire, do I have that in place where you got your elders to consult to or with? You have your, and I call the elders your seasoned, the seasoned, like seasoned mothers in the church. You know, the seasoned women who have been married to their spouses for like 50 plus years or something like that. You have them. Um, it's always good to know at least one person um, that's been married to their spouse for, you know, many years, 20 plus years. Um, because for, you know, truth be told, they have discovered the secret to longevity in their marriage. So I believe, in my honest opinion, that it's wise to surround yourself with someone who's maybe not walked your journey, but can help you to maneuver your path so that you can have a successful marriage. But she talked about the elderly, or we're going to call them the seasoned sisters. She talked about her actual literal sisters. And then she talked about the group of friends that whenever she is feeling some type of way toward Warren, she'll reach out to him. And one of the reasons why I'm paraphrasing y'all that that she does it this way is so that she doesn't hurt the relationship even more while she's trying to process what has transpired. And that to me is wisdom. Because a lot of times when you are hurting, if you instead use the individual that you're seeing as your punching bag, verbally, emotionally, mentally, psychologically, or even physically, that can cause permanent, unrepairable, irreconcilable damage. So to be able to maneuver in that relationship. And I'm telling y'all this because I experienced it. I had, t well, they were, they had the potential to be healthy relationships, but because we were hurting and we weren't focused on healing, 
we damaged those relationships. Our focus was in healing. I'm going to tell you what our focus was. Because now hindsight's 100%, right? The focus was using the other person to numb the pain. That's what the focus was. We may not have ever spoken, but looking over what I went through with a lot of those individuals, that's what it was. Hey, let me let me use you because I need to numb this pain and I don't want to drink any alcohol and I don't want to do any drugs. So you be my drug for a season in my life so that I don't have to address the pain. Because to think about it is too painful. So maybe if I get myself in a relationship, I can just numb the pain for a season, not realizing that I was adding to the pain. So I remember that there was someone that I used to date and and I'll never forget it because I was in transition of moving from one city to the next. And he was like, so why are you going to this other city? And I said, because I got to get away from here. It's just too many bad memories. And he looked at me and he said, now you do know you can't run from your past, nor can you run from those memories. Whatever city you choose to go to, all of that is going to still be there. You're going to just have to deal with it. You know, that right there, those words... I may not have wanted to hear them at that moment, but guess what? I did end up facing my past through my book of poetry, through my journaling, through counseling, through therapy, through crying, through praying, through forgiving myself and through forgiving others. I did face those demons. I did face those memories. And do I still have some healing to do? Of course I do. Do you still have some healing to do? Of course you do. But who you surround yourself with while you're going through will determine the outcome. See, even when you're dealing with someone who may not know how to articulate what it is that they've been through, and so it comes out very angrily, and it comes out very volatile, and it comes out just not right, sometimes you have to take a moment to let them see their mirror. But you've got to be very wise in how you do that because everybody cannot handle their own truth. But sometimes you got to take a point, uh, take a moment to meet them where they're at. And when that door opens for you to be able to convey to them how you are handling this and how you are handling me is inappropriate. Give them a moment to reflect. Give them a moment to repent and give them a moment to reset if that relationship is worth salvaging, if it's worth keeping, if it's worth fighting for. But then you have to create your boundaries. What will not happen from this point forward 
is that you will not speak to me in that tone. You will not speak to me as if I am the person that caused your pain. As if I am the person that hurt you 50 years ago, 75 years ago, 15 years ago, 25 years ago. That's what we're not going to do. And you start to create a safety haven. That is not going to happen over time, which is why you have to be willing to reevaluate your situation. Is it worth staying or is it worth leaving? You have to look yourself in the mirror. Listen to the words that are coming out of your own mouth as well as the other person's mouth and see if it is repairable. So. What a lot of marriages don't talk about is when they go through these argumentative seasons, what that looks like for them. So I've heard a lot of people say, oh, it's healthy to argue. Well, guess what? Even when you argue, there's certain places that both of you should agree that you will never go. There's certain accusations that both of you should agree that you will never make. There is a dialogue that you should agree to create so that whenever this person is telling you their truth and whenever you are telling them your truth, whenever that conversation ends, your both of your dignities are still intact. Now, I know some of y'all are like, girl, that's in a perfect world. That ain't real. You do know. That you have the power to create your reality. Am I right about it? Remember, the power of life or death is in our tongues. And there are a lot of times that we, as individuals, are using our tongues for death. Death of the relationship. Death of healthy thinking, death of healthy communication, death of understanding, the list goes on. But if we instead were to make up in our minds that I want life and I want life more abundantly, then that will help us to create a living atmosphere in our relationships where both of you are thriving, where both of you are healing, where both of you can be safe. And it is imperative if you are seeking longevity in your relationship. One of my classmates yesterday posted something and I'm going to share it. Um, He posted something on his page and some of you won't agree with me and it's okay. I, I created that safety haven a long time ago (laughs) for y'all to just, whether you agree or disagree, just allow me to be me. That's all I've ever asked. So hopefully I can find it in a fast enough process. Um, So this is what he said. He said, I don't think 
I will ever be in another relationship. I don't want the responsibility of paying bills for people who don't respect what I bring to the table. Because if I am paying bills and I am feeding kids, I should be able to lay down some rules. I'm just saying. Mind you, he said he does not believe that he'll ever be in another relationship. Why do you think that he said that? I believe he said that because he is hurting. So my response to him in the best way that I know how was do not allow one bad experience to cause you to miss out on a bountifully blessed experience. Take time out to heal, but don't give that sort of power to anyone who has caused you pain respectfully. And then I said, be encouraged, friend. So a lot of times we do that because we've had a bad experience, because we've been in an abusive relationship, because it was a one-sided relationship. We just say, you know what? I'm good by myself. And you could very well be. But what if all of this is to show you you? Show you where you're strong, show you where you're weak, show you where you need to grow, show you where you need to heal, show you why you need to heal. Because when you begin to heal, even while you're hurting, in my honest opinion, you begin to make better choices. You begin to see yourself in a different light. You begin to see the people that are surrounding you. If you're paying attention in a different light. I had a conversation with someone yesterday and I was telling him that I remember when I was going through. And I'm talking about going through just bad relationships and abusive relationships And I remember who it was turning me into because I was so angry. I felt so unloved. I felt so underappreciated. I felt so used and I definitely felt so abused. But I made a conscious effort one day that just because that's how my story started, that was not going to be how my story ended. So I started to do the work. I started seeking godly counsel. I started seeking therapy. I started analyzing the friendships that I had. I started looking to see, are these people really for me? Or are they just here for the ride? My circle got smaller and smaller and smaller over time. Because it was important to me that I surrounded myself with people who would be willing to hold my ladder, no matter what my truth looked like in whatever season I was in. Yes, you're going to have Judases. You're going to have those people that kiss you on the cheek and betray you. That's inevitable. That's just a part of life. But even if you have a Judas in the camp, 
Are the rest of the people surrounding you willing to stand guard of you? Even when Judas shows up? That is what became important to me. And so. I don't know what it is that you have been through, just like you probably did not know what it is that I have been through if you're not in my immediate circle. But what I will tell you is this. Know your worth. Do not draw back. And not just in that regard of, oh, you know, whatever relationship I'm in, I need to know my worth, even in how you treat other people. Because you may be the only positive healing experience that someone else encounters. They might have been only exposed to toxic people, abusive people verbally and physically. And then you come along. Are you going to be the individual that helps them to heal while they hurt? Or are you going to be the individual that causes more hurt? See, I made up in my mind a long time ago after I did my own inventory on my life that I was sick and tired of being that person inflicting pain on other people just because my past had pain written all over it. So I made a conscious effort to begin to be the person that would provide healing balm in Gilead. That would provide healing balm in that relationship on purpose, for a purpose, so that God could truly get the glory. Now, is it always easy? No, it's not. But I do believe that because I've done the work and because I have God on my side, that I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And that's what I do. And taking personal inventory of my past is only a part of it. And when I look back, y'all, I'm actually glad I did that. Because whenever situations start to occur, whenever someone's calling me about an incident or whenever someone is telling me about their experience and what should they do, I am no longer responding from an ignorant perspective. Because I've done the work, I can give them the tools to succeed. I may not always make a hundred, but I'm in a better place. I'm in a better headspace. I am healing while I'm still hurting. Because what I did not share with you is that even though I am now, by the grace of God, 48 years old, my birthday was on January the 9th, even though I'm 48 years old now, There's a lot of pain, excuse me, that was inflicted on me throughout the course of these years. And that kind of stuff you don't heal from overnight. That requires having conversations. That requires writing my, writing when those certain thoughts come to my head, writing it down in my journal. That requires praying to my Abba Father to remove whatever bitterness or indifference or any root cause removing that from me so that I don't so that it doesn't manifest in like the ugliest of ways that requires a lot of work so I'm still healing and I'm still hurting in a lot of areas 
I won't get into that now because I'm running out of time. But one of the other things is, and I found this out, one of my triggers because of all the pain that's been inflicted upon me is my children. Not my children being my triggers, but people addressing my children or how that, you know, like it's, it's a subject that I have to mentally prepare to address because of what all transpired in my life around my children. So call it mama bear syndrome or whatever. I literally have to be in the right headspace to discuss a lot of the trauma that happened um, with me losing custody of my children and all that was attached to that. I have to, was my oldest three children. Um, I have to be in a different headspace to be able to, to have those conversations. And I know that, which is why therapy is great. So this is going to conclude my episode on today. But please, 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 please surround yourself with people that can help you if you are healing while you're hurting. I hope that this blesses someone. Be encouraged. Y'all have a good one. And please do me a huge, huge favor. Take care of yourselves because there is only one you. Signing out, your girl Teresa. Y'all have a blessed one. Bye.